Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. And so here is the title deed to the planet Earth because at the cross, at the cross, Jesus took that back. Listen to a prophecy concerning Christ in Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 to 8. There's a messianic prophecy. The whole psalm is messianic. And it says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son today, I have begotten you, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. But it begins with this scroll in the right hand. The right hand always symbolized power and authority and it's in the hand of God on the throne and all of a sudden the call goes out, is anyone worthy to take the scroll? Is anyone worthy to take the scroll? And all of a sudden, there's silence. There's silence. See, this is scene two. This is scene two. We're talking about the credentialed one now. All of a sudden now, there's silence. And John begins to weep. Why is John weeping? Because if no one's able to take that scroll, then the world is going to continue on as business as usual. Satan will continue to reap havoc on this world. He will continue to destroy lives. He will continue to drag souls to hell. No one. John weeps. He weeps. How many of you have ever weeped over the condition of this world? You read something, all of a sudden you're reading and you're saying, how tragic is that? And you begin to cry and you begin to weep. And the question is, is there any hope? The question is always, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Or is, is things going to go as status quo? Are they going to remain the same? And this world is so tragic at times. You and I are insulated in many ways because of where we live. But even talking about the persecuted church, that's horrible what takes place. This is a fallen world and Satan just can't wait to get to the throats of those who proclaim to serve Christ. And so in scene two, this is verses two to five, we see the credentialed one and Jesus holds the credentials. The mighty angel, he says, wait, stop weeping. Stop weeping. There is one who's able to take the scroll. And it turns out it's going to be Christ because we know that he is the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus has the credentials to take the scrolls according to two things in those verses. One, he is a fulfillment of prophecy. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. This was prophesied all the way back in Genesis chapter 49 in verses 8 to 10. Here's what it says. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, O Judy. Return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who dares to rouse him. And here it comes. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom 
it belongs and the obedience of the nations is his. That's a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. Whoever the Messiah was going to be, whoever the Savior was going to be, whoever the person was that was going to overthrow Satan and his throne was going to have to be the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's what the angel identifies him as. And he also identifies him as the root of David. Another messianic prophecy fulfilled in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse from his roots, a branch which will bear fruit. Isaiah 11:10 says, In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. So whoever the Messiah was going to be had to be the shoot of David. And of course, when we look at the life of Christ and the genealogy that comes down, he's linked to David. He's linked to the lineage of David. He is the rightful king. There was a prophecy given that there would be one of David's descendants that would sit on the throne forever. His mother descended from that line, Mary. His father was not his biological father because Mary was conceived of a virgin. The Holy Spirit. So he holds the credentials because he's the fulfillment of prophecy, but also because he prevailed. Look at that with me. But one of the elders said to me, verse 5, Do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Jesus prevailed. He's the only one that prevailed. He was born of flesh and blood. And he prevailed through temptation, he prevailed over sin, he prevailed at the cross, and he prevailed over death. He conquered everything. Jesus is the prevailing one. No other person in history can proclaim that. So now we move to scene three where the lamb takes the scroll, and this is in verses six to ten. And John sees a lamb. John sees a lamb as though it had been slain. In verse six, and I looked... And I looked, another scene coming, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns. That means power. His power is perfection. Seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. He is omniscient and omnipresent through the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's sent out into all the earth. So here John sees a lamb that had been slain. And this points back to the Passover lamb. In Exodus chapter 12, you remember the children of Israel were in slavery. They were in bondage in slavery. And God was delivering them through a series of plagues. The final plague was the death of the firstborn. And God says, look, I'm going to strike down the firstborn of all of Egypt. Of all of Egypt, I'm going to strike dead the firstborn son and God said, but for you, for you speaking to his people, that you were to slaughter a lamb, you were to slay a lamb, and you were to take the blood and put it over the doorpost. And when you put it over the doorpost, when the death angel comes, he's going to pass over you. So those who had the blood over them, so to speak, covered by the blood, the death angel went over them and nothing happened to their families. So God delivers them. Pharaoh says, that's enough, man. He loses his firstborn. I'm going to release these people. They become a huge headache to me. They become a thorn in my side. They are done. They are set free. So he releases 
the people, they were set free. I want you to understand that. That the deliverance of slavery of God's people came through the blood of the Lamb. And ever since the Jews have celebrated the Passover, they were to slay a lamb once a year. And it was in remembrance of their deliverance that God had brought by. Jesus comes, and what Jesus does, he fulfills that role of the Passover lamb. The word slain in chapter 5 here is seen three times, the word slain. And whenever it's speaking, whenever you see that word slain, it's talking about a slaughter. It's talking about a slaughter. When it's referring to an animal, it's talking about slaughtering an animal. And this is looking at the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 53, the suffering servant. This is what Jesus is fulfilling. And here's what it says of Christ. And we know that when he arrived on the scene, he fulfilled it. Every jot and tittle of this prophecy. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we were healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, there's not one who's sinless. And your sin has been placed on Christ. And here it is. Verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. This is what John's seeing. This is what John's seeing at the throne. He's seeing this lamb as though it had been slain and Jesus is this Passover lamb that was talked about so much in Scripture. In John chapter 1, when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul writes, Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. And the response to this slain lamb, the response is rejoicing and praise in verse 9. And they sang a new song. Whenever you see new song in scriptures, the Old Testament, it's pertaining to redemption. Every time it speaks of that, it is talking about redemption because there should be that. Even in God's redeemed today, there should be a new song in our heart every day. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. It doesn't matter if you're Mexican, black, white, Chinese, Russian, Italian. Yes, Italians are saved. (laughs) 
That word redeemed was used in the New Testament times as buying slaves back. It was used of buying, purchasing slaves in the marketplace. Redeemed. That word is so important in that verse 9. That one word. That one word. In verse 10, I want you to see the connection here. Verse 10, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. If you ever read the Testament, you know that this is straight out of Exodus chapter 19. And here's what happens. God delivers, right? God delivers his people that were in slavery to Egypt, and he brings them through the wilderness, and he brings them to to Mount Sinai, and he makes this promise to them that I will make you a kingdom of priests. From slavery to priests, you need to see that, that their whole status changes from the bondage that they were in and from that, the shackles and the chains and more bricks and less straw to the taskmasters that were there in Egypt. He now not only redeems his people, he not only purchases them back through the blood of the lamb as it will, but he says, I will make you a kingdom of priests. And that's what he's done to us. Romans 6 says, you were slaves of sin. But no longer a slave of sin, you're now a kingdom of priests for his glory. That's what the Bible says. From slaves to a kingdom of priests. And so scene four takes over. In verse 11, then I looked, Kai Edon, Kai Edon. He sees another scene here, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That literally is myriads upon myriads. It was an incalculable number in the New Testament times. In other words, John says, man, I'm looking and there is no end to this crowd. There is no end to this crowd. They go as far as the eye can see. And as far as numbering them, there is no way to number this crowd. And here's what this crowd is doing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And to top it off, all of creation. All of creation. Every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them I heard saying, blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. I want you to take note of that, that the Lamb is worthy of just as much glory as the Father. This is a real problem for those who deny the deity of Jesus Christ because you are to worship one thing only, and that is God. Then the four living creatures said, what? Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. You have universal worship in scene four. Listen to me. I have to go through this quick. I remember, by the way, 
attending a Promise Keepers event in the Los Angeles Stadium, and I, I'd never seen that many men gathered. This was like 96, maybe 90, 95, 96, and here in Los Angeles Stadium, you got a bunch of guys there, stadium filled with them, not to see a, base, a football game, but they were there to have an encounter with God, and I'll never forget when they began to sing. And that stadium filled with all these men's voices and praise started to lift up to heaven. I'd never seen anything like that. Tears just rolled from my eyes. But even that pales in comparison to this crowd here. Pales in comparison to this crowd here. Now listen, here's what I want you to grab, okay? Jesus' triumph through his sacrificial death. This is what I want you to grab. Jesus' triumph through his sacrificial death death. I want you to see something here. John does not see a king. John does not see a king. Three times the slain lamb is the vision. Not a king wearing a crown. We talk about the kingship of Jesus and rightfully so, but we neglect the slain lamb part. We neglect This is what they're worshiping. This is what they're around. They're all around that throne and they're worshiping as it will a slain lamb, the symbol. Because Jesus triumphed through his death. His sacrificial death was the means of the triumph. And the reason I bring that up today is because modern theology is teaching to neglect the death of Jesus. Yeah, a horrible thing happened to him. He was a good man, but then things went bad. And he fell into a bad situation, and he was just the subject of a bunch of angry people. But I want you to look at just the love of Jesus through his life. That's the primary example. This is what Jesus came for, was to show you. And they neglect what is called and what is one of the most primary doctrines of Christianity, penal substitution. Penal meaning penalty. Substitution in place of that Jesus sat in that electric chair for you. The slain lamb. The slain lamb. And the sacrificial death is so important of Jesus. The sacrificial death is the very means of his inheritance. It is the basis of his inheritance. The sacrificial death of Jesus is the basis for his inheritance. If he never made the cross, there would be no inheritance. And what John sees taking the scroll is not a king wearing a crown, but a lamb as though it had been slayed. Why? Because Jesus' inheritance of all things comes through his death. Before there was a resurrection, there was a death. He inherits all things. John 13, 3, as he's going in the Last Supper and as he, he's getting ready to be crucified that, that very day, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. In Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11, listen to this. Let your attitude 
be the same of that of Christ Jesus. Now here it is, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. This is it. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now I want you to watch this next word. Even to death on a cross, he humbled himself. He was obedient to that point. Therefore, therefore, that's the connecting word. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's... So the sacrificial death of Jesus, this is what this is teaching us, is the basis of his inheritance, but the sacrificial death of Jesus is the basis of your inheritance, our inheritance. This is so cool. He sees the lamb. He's worthy to take the scrolls. He's honored for that, to take the scroll to open the seals. He is made as kings and priests to our God, our inheritance. Look what the elders are singing here. It's, it's, it's every Old Testament, New Testament believer is represented here, these 24 elders. In verse 9, he's redeemed us to God, right? The lamb was slain and have redeemed us to God, but it doesn't end there. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. The symbol of the Lamb appears 28 times in the book of Revelation. Now that may seem odd because you're looking at the death of Jesus, and you're looking at a time when God is pouring out judgment on the earth. You would think that the kingship of Jesus would be highlighted, but the Lamb is mentioned 28 times in the book of Revelation. Whenever you see the Lamb, it is a symbol of Jesus pointing back to his sacrificial death. The issue is not whether your religion can satisfy God. But have you trusted in the blood atonement? Because that is the only satisfaction God has. You had a debt and he paid that. The only way anyone can become a priest or a king is because the atoning work of Jesus Christ satisfied the righteousness of God, the wrath of God, the divine justice of God, and it set the sinner free. Hebrews 9.15, here it is. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom, I want you to see that. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant, our inheritance is there in Hebrews 9, connected with the sacrificial death of Jesus. Ephesians 1 
13 to 14, and you also who were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Romans 8, 16 to 17, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in the sufferings, his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. There it is. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.